Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I will be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how are you doing? Caleb, I am fantastic. You know, staying uh, healthy and socially distant. Are you uh, wearing masks out in public currently? Yeah, I mean, I get to work from home, thankfully. So I am only out, you know, once, maybe twice a week, just going to the grocery store, hit up Chick-fil-A. But um, that's only drive-through only, so I don't even know if you technically need a mask for that. So you know, wearing a mask when I need to, but thankfully don't have to do it often. Nice. My mother-in-law was nice enough to make one for me. Well, uh, Caleb, I didn't say this uh, before the show, but I figured during small talk we can talk about uh, some not so small. Well, I guess kind of small talk for for me because it is small, or he she is small. But uh, LB's pregnant, and so uh, you know, I know I told you a few weeks ago, but uh, due this November, so you know. In, baby new to be born during Penn State football season best time to be born um, so we're very excited for that yeah again congratulations yeah, it's awesome news as you know we we had our first one about six months ago she's doing great she's sleeping right now hopefully she'll continue to do that throughout our recording here she's just getting her first two teeth on the bottom so it's been a little rough but she's she's doing great and it's awesome so I know you guys are looking forward to it and you'll you'll, you'll be great parents thanks so hey um as we move into football stuff, you know, we kind of start on a bit of a downer. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, who is a commentator that I really like a lot. I think he has great picks. I think he really understands the game of college football, and he likes the game of college football. Uh, he is currently of the opinion that we will not have a college football season this year. And I'm just curious, where do, where is your stance on this right now, Caleb? Yeah, I would say about two weeks ago, I'd say everything kind of looked, you know, in peril, you know, NBA and NHL seasons maybe probably wouldn't even come back. Baseball, maybe, you know, maybe they'll only do in the fall playoffs only kind of thing and football, maybe a, uh, a late start. But I'd say the last week or two, it seems like, you know, you mentioned before the show, Texas is starting to open up, Pennsylvania maybe slowly doing it soon here in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm getting to be more and more optimistic that sports are going to be returning here sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I'm feeling that way as well. I mean, maybe August gets canceled and they just all start after Labor Day. But I think to some degree there will be events. And if that means athletic directors have to get on the phone and quick schedule uh, the season by uh, just, you know, working with the schools that are open, then that's what they got to do. But otherwise, you know, I would I would hate to miss out on it. I think, you know, as we saw from the NFL draft, it was a with the highest ratings ever. Um, We'll get to that later. But just how much it was able to bring people together and give people a distraction that's what I like about college football too, is it's a nice distraction. It's something fun to watch. And uh, so even if it's just made for TV football, no fans, I'd like to think that our, our work in social distancing and staying at home and uh, washing hands, covering our faces and all this stuff. I like, I would like to think that that's going to pay dividends um, regarding this upcoming fall and that we're going to see more progress. So, uh, I am with you. I, I think we're going to see some sort of football in the fall. Here. Yeah, and I saw one proposal. I don't know if it was brought about by you know someone in the college football community or if it was just a reporter or an analyst somewhere that suggested maybe only doing um, a conference games. You know, eight to ten conference games, even though it has to be you mm. know short, short in the season by a couple of weeks. That's fine, and you're only doing yeah. conference games. You know, those are the ones that really matter in the terms of who makes the playoff and things like that anyway. So it's things you know you will we'll miss, like, the Penn State-Virginia Tech game this year, but I'm sure that can be managed at another year. Yeah, you know, I like that idea, too, if we have to limit it, just cut it down to conference. A uh, couple players that are looking for new places. One has found a new – or, I'm sorry, two have found a new home. Uh, JT Daniels, the USC quarterback, has entered the transfer portal. He was a very popular quarterback going into the season for USC, but again, injuries hammered him. Uh, Was it Keaton Slavis or Keaton? uh, Keaton, thank you. Slavis ended up performing quite well for USC, and I'm assuming Helton is going to make him the starting quarterback. So Daniels is uh, is out of here and. I'm hard-pressed to think of too many schools that uh, currently need a quarterback. I mean, 
maybe Oklahoma does, but <laughs> yeah, that they had a transfer come in. I forget from where. Um, but yeah, I don't know how many teams are out there looking for a quarterback right now. You know, maybe someone like Clemson or Ohio State is looking for one for next year if JT Daniels has to sit out a year if he doesn't, you know, get that exemption to start right away. So maybe he'll he'll go to a program like that that has a top quarterback coming out next year into the, into the draft. Yeah, and and staying in that conference, uh, Stanford quarterback KJ Costello is leaving Stanford and heading to Mississippi State to work with Joe Moorhead. Tommy Stevens, as we know, is drafted uh, into the NFL, and there is a a hole there, although Tommy Stevens was really just kind of fighting back and forth for a a spot in the depth chart for Mississippi State, uh, or rather in the starting lineup for Mississippi State. So Costello hopes to go there. Moorhead hopes that that will bring some stability to the team. Uh, I thought Costello was good enough that I think he'll be fine there. What do you think with the SEC offense? Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, those we everyone always says uh, SEC is the best conference, and it is. If you look at the draft results, they had by far the most players. But we'll see mm-hmm. if someone from the Pac-12, KJ Costello, if he can transfer his game over. He's used to you know more big, powerful. Uh, receivers to throw to guys like JJ Arcega Whiteside, who was drafted last year. It seems like a Stanford tight end is drafted every year in the draft. So we'll see if he can work it out with, you know, maybe some more speedster guys down at Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. And, and outside of quarterbacks, we had a big running back transfer here. A running back that I really liked at the start of the season, and I think it was maybe around the midpoint where. I sent you a text. And I'm like, where's Trey Sermon, the running back out of Oklahoma? Like, where has he been? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Sermon has been overtaken in the depth chart at Oklahoma by Kennedy Brooks. And so Trey Sermon has left the Oklahoma Sooners and has transferred to the Ohio State University. I think that's a pretty good pickup, yeah? Yeah, and if he starts right away, which I'm assuming he'll get a, he'll be able to play right away, yeah, he, I'm sure he'll fit in right into J.K. Dobbins' role, take over there. You know, I'm not sure if he'll get 2,000 rushing yards like J.T. Dobbins, because that, that's an extremely hard feat, but I'm sure he'll, if he stays healthy the whole year, wouldn't be surprised by 1,500 yards easily for someone like him in there, that potent offense that Ohio State has. Yeah, he's a strong running back. I think they, I think they'll be very happy with him. Uh, as a Penn State fans, we will not be very happy with that. Although, as we get ready to talk, I'm feeling good about our I'm feeling good about our defense this year. So, you ready to talk some Penn State stuff? Yeah, let's get to it. So, even though there was no blue white game this past week because of uh, COVID nineteen, we did get a depth chart released, which was fun and something for us as fans to analyze. First place, I think we got to start off on offense is the wide receivers. You know, we've had a lot of turnover here. No surprise with Jahan Dotson being one of the starting uh, wide receivers, but the other two, Daniel George and TJ Jones. I know you and me have been very angry at Daniel George and his drops over this past year or two, and we don't know too much about TJ Jones. He hasn't had too much time uh, playing time so far, but um, it should definitely be interesting to the wide receivers this year, and hopefully guys like TJ Jones, Daniel George, and others can step their game up. Yeah, I'd like to think that at the wide receiver position, uh, we will we will see some good talent there. Plus, a new wide receiver coach. You know, KJ Hamler drafted uh, in the second round. We had Dan Chisina drafted or not drafted, signed afterwards. We had uh, Justin Shorter transfer out. So uh, these are our guys now, and maybe the new wide receiver coach can teach Daniel George. It's a good thing to keep the football in your hands, and uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what we see out of TJ Jones. I remember whenever KJ Hamler came into the into the NCAA and, and they started talking about him like, but he's so untested. And then, you know, it took one game for me to be like, whoa, this guy's phenomenal. So hopefully the same thing will happen with TJ Jones. Yeah, next up we had the running backs. This time, which is a little surprising to me, they were they were listed in an order. If you remember last year, a lot of times it was Journey Brown or Noah Kane or Devin Ford. This year they were listed in order and it was Journey Brown leading the way, followed by Noah Kane, then Devin Ford. Then true freshman Keziah Holmes, who has a lot to live up to as he was given the number 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, Keziah Holmes, first offensive player with number 26 since uh, our boy Saquon, Jonathan Sutherland, mm-hmm. wearing that number last year on the defensive side of the ball. I really like that they put Journey Brown at the as a starting back. He was a fantastic tailback last year, producing over 800 yards rushing in a very crowded backfield. And then, of course, Noah Kane. I mean, it says it says one and two on the depth chart, but I think what we what we can read into that is 
Journey Brown is, you know, your your first down, second down back, and then on those third downs and those crucial time crunch sort of plays, we're going to see Noah Kane again in there as long as he stays consistently healthy. I also really like Devin Ford. Uh, you know, he, he comes from kind of like the Virginia Beach area, and he had some he had a good start to the season last year and then just kind of fell off as the year went on. But maybe without Ricky Slade there, uh, we'll be able to see him a little bit more engaged or not engaged, plugged into that offense. And, you know, I'm wondering if Kasaya Holmes is going to get redshirted after those uh, first couple games. Yeah, he definitely could. Uh, next up, we got a pretty experienced offensive line here. Um, we'll mention it later. Steven Gonzalez left for the NFL this year, but we got some, we still got some, a lot of returning players. A right tackle, Will Fries, who's a graduate student, CJ Thorpe, redshirt junior, Michael Manette, fifth year senior, Mike Miranda, redshirt junior, and Rashid Walker at left tackle is a redshirt sophomore. So he's the youngest of the bunch there. So uh, it's good to see. You know, not a lot of turnover and a lot of experience there on the offensive line. That'll definitely help the running backs get their holes. Yeah, we and you know we certainly need that help, uh, especially too with our quarterback situation. Clifford took a lot of hits last year, and you know it's it's wasn't a result of the line being inexperienced. But I can only imagine what would happen this upcoming season if we had a a vastly more inexperienced offensive line playing, how many more times we'd see Clifford get hit. And hopefully with a lot of these players having another year of experience under their belt, playing together and building that cohesion, they'll be able to protect Clifford better. So again, Caleb, it's going to be really beneficial to us to have a lot of protection there. You know, we're very fortunate with the tight ends that we have this upcoming year. And again, with this offensive line, I feel very assured with Michael Mennett in the center and uh, protecting Clifford as we get ready for this upcoming season in 2020-2021. Yeah, and obviously no surprise with Clifford listed as the starting quarterback, Pat Fryermuth listed as the starting tight end, uh, Will Levis listed as still the number one backup there, backing up Sean Clifford. Mm-hmm. Uh, backup tight end should be a little interesting. Zach Kuntz and Br- Britton Strange are right now battling out for the number two position. But uh, we have that freshman Theo Johnson looming. He's uh, the, one of the top prospects coming out of Canada. So Penn State you know, ran a, f- a few more two tight end sets last year than they had, I think, in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how that battles at that battle shakes out. Yeah, and it'll be important for us to start to develop somebody be- behind Fryermuth because even though he would have one more year of eligibility, uh, I, d- I think we would be kidding ourselves if we said he wasn't go- going pro at the end of next season. So it's important to get these guys some snaps so that in the 2021-2022 season, crazy to even say that out loud, uh, it's important for us to, to get some depth there. Mm-hmm. All right, moving over to the defensive side, starting a defensive line. I think the uh, defensive line still is strong despite losing Itor Gross Matos. Uh, take a lesson there, Roger Goodell, on how to yep. pronounce his name. Gross uh, Matos. Yep. As <laughs> Shaka Tone, PJ Mustafer, Antonio Shellen, and Jason Owe are listed as the starters with Adisa Isaac, you know, as one of the top reserves there. You know, obviously on the defensive line, you shuffle out seven, eight, sometimes nine guys, especially in college. But um, those are the top five guys listed on the defensive line right now. That's a strong looking front. Uh, you know, Shaka Tony is a great, great player on the line. And Mustafer certainly showed that he is too. Antonio Shelton, as long as he stays in the games and he doesn't get in trouble like he did last year, he will continue to be a force to be reckoned with. And Jason Owe is a player that we keep on hearing coaches talk about. The coaches love this guy. And so I'm excited to see him as we get ready for the new season as well. Yeah, all right. Moving on to linebackers. Obviously, those are led by Micah Parsons, as he is a top prospect for next year's draft. But there are still a little bit of questions behind them, as Jan Johnson and Cam Brown left for the NFL this season. Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith are named as the top starters. But uh, don't forget about Jesse Lukita. He has, he's definitely there in the mix as well. Yeah, number 40, Jesse Lukita. I like him a lot. Uh, Ellis Brooks, if I remember, he was the linebacker that had that important interception on Maryland's opening drive that led to us shutting that crowd up really quickly. What's your take on Brandon Smith? Do you do you remember him playing much last year? I remember a few plays, but not too much. I think he's pretty talented, mm-hmm. but um, so I think that's why there's some optimism around it. So I'm I'm expecting big things from him this year. Yeah, unquestionably. And then on to secondary, we've got Lamont and Wade headlining there as he is the, one of the top safeties. Tariq Castro-Fields helps to have a much more consistent year this year than he did with his up-and-down season last year. Jaquan Brisker, the other starting safety, and Donovan Johnson listed as the other starting cornerback. Mm-hmm. He um, 
he played a, one, you know only one or two games last year. I think he got injured, but I, he was the starting cornerback last year, so I think it's only fair to give him the starting shot this year. Marquis Wilson, Joey Porter Jr., and Keaton Ellis should be fighting for plenty of playing time, though. Yeah, and I want to give a shout-out to Lamont Wade, who before last season started, was considering a transfer, but decided to stick it out. And he has emerged as a strong leader on that defense. So massive kudos to Lamont Wade for pushing through and and seeing that hard work push off. Caleb, if you were to to guess for that final spot between Marcus Wilson, Joey Porter, and uh, Keaton Ellis, who are you going with here? Um, I'll go with Keaton Ellis for right now, but uh, I think Joey Porter may be taking that by the end of the year. Yeah, Keaton Ellis certainly has more experience from playing more last year, but Joey Porter Jr., he has a great NFL pedigree uh, with his daddy playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he has come out as a great player in and of himself. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. All right. On his special teams, our boy Jordan Stout listed as the punter, kickoff duty, and holder. Jake Pinnegar still listed ahead as first out and field goal kicker. So I guess Stout will be holding the ball for him. Uh, it's a shame. I, th- I feel like Jordan Stout still is the better leg between the two, but at least he'll be able to show it off in his punting duties this year. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Stout, front of the show, is a great player, great locks of hair as he uh, as he kicks. I'll be curious to see what his punting is like in comparison. You know, we had a big loss with Blake Gillikin leaving. And um, I'm curious, Caleb. I mean, Penninger was certainly hitting long, longer field goals this season. I'm wondering, though, if we're in a spot where it's like a 58, 59-yard field goal, are they – I mean, what do you think? Do you think they consider letting Stout kick it, or you think they still try Penninger? Yeah, well, if you remember last year, I'm pretty sure they had like a line. It was right at like 48, 49, yeah. 50 yards – it was under was Jake Pinnegar, over was Jordan Stout. So I want guessing they'll maybe do something similar this year. If Pinnegar gets a little bit of a stronger leg, maybe they'll up it to 53 yards or something like that. But if he doesn't get any stronger, I think Jordan Stout will be taking those 50-plus yard field goals again. Yeah, and I'm, I really am hoping that we don't lose the non-conference play because Jordan Stout was a transfer from Virginia Tech. So I'd love to see him go into Blacksburg, right? It's at Virginia Tech this year, I think. I think and, so. Um, just be able to, to go to the home base and play there. And finally, we had fun for a couple hours as Micah Parsons was listed as the primary kickoff returner, uh, but that was corrected a little bit later on, and it was changed to he was the off returner, so I guess he'd be one of the lead blockers for kicking off this year. I would 100% support Micah Parsons as kick returner. I just want the record to show that he was very hyped about it on Twitter. It was awesome. Um, Yeah, you're right. A lot of fun about it, some laughs, and then... uh, he was disappointed that the team didn't even let him have 24 hours of making people think he was the returner. But uh, yeah, that, that was that was a good time. It was awesome. Yep. Uh, going back to our wide receivers, you know, switching up. Mac Hippenhammer has transferred to Miami of Ohio. Apparently, he had a committed full time to playing baseball. I guess that was at Penn State because he is committed mm-hmm. to playing football at Miami of Ohio. Obviously, you know, an easier program to get into there. So we'll see if he has any hope. You know, he seemed to have a little promise what a couple years ago as the slot yeah. receiver, but it uh, he had that one drop at the beginning of the season, and we never really saw him again. It was a drop punt return, I think, wasn't it? Uh, I think you're right there. And I think Hippenhammer has agreed to play football and baseball at Miami, Ohio, like he was at Penn State. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm assuming he wanted to stay two sports, and he didn't really see himself at Penn State anymore after all those things that happened. But outside of, you know, current players, Caleb, we have some good recruits, right? Yeah, for sure. In a span of about 24 hours or so, Penn State landed a bunch of guys. Four-star offensive tackle Landon Tangwell, four-star safety Jalen Reeves, the number 10 safety in the 2021 class currently. We had uh, twins both commit to Penn State, four-star cornerback Kalen King and his brother, three-star inside linebacker Kobe King. Um, those last three players are all from Detroit, so we're you know scooping up those players from the Michigan and Michigan State territory. Mm-hmm. And finally, four-star athlete Zaki Wheatley, who is projected to play either wide receiver or defensive back at the college level. And those uh, signings right there, those five signings, moved up Penn State's class ranking from 38th to 13th. That was as of April 10th, so a few weeks ago. So things could have changed since now and then, but uh, you know, moving up the moving up the ranks. Yeah, and I saw some people on Twitter giving Kalen and Kobe King, or rather, with the signing of Kalen and Kobe King, giving Jim Harbaugh a lot of flack. I mean, 
and it was a tweet and, and I kind of want to repeat it again because it really had me reflecting on this. Caleb, how do they let these guys leave Michigan? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we know all too well as the, uh, what, that five-star wide receiver left Penn, left the Pennsylvania State to go to Ohio State. Yeah, that feels like a normal thing for PA. Yep. So I I know um, they're one of the top offensive tackles, five-star recruit from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, is uh, considering Penn State this year. So I feel like if Penn State wants to get the reputation back in the state of Pennsylvania that they're the top billing in the state, then they need to come in and scoop up a guy like that, and that'll definitely uh, boost the rankings way up there and you know hopefully give us a chance to compete with Ohio State year in and year out and not just uh, settle for the four-star guys. Nothing wrong with four-star guys. They're really great players, but the the five-star ones are the ones that I think take you to that next level. I would agree with you. Okay, Caleb. So let's look at, we've looked at players of the future for college now. Let's look at players of the future for the NFL. We just had the NFL draft uh, this past weekend from when we are recording the show. So April 23rd through 25th. And due to COVID-19, this draft had to go from being in Las Vegas this year to now being a virtual draft online. I really liked the format of the draft. How about you? Yeah, I thought it ran pretty well, you know. Didn't seem like there were any glitches like they had in the in the test run earlier in the week. So that was good to see. Um, you know, not everything was perfect, I don't think. But, you know, it seems like every time Roger Goodell looked back to, at that screen of fans, you know, two or three of them were blank. They just showed the the team picture, team logo instead of actual fans. So I'm not sure if that was a glitch or meant hmm. to be something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it went pretty well. My favorite thing was definitely Roger Goodell Friday night as he went from standing to sitting to lounging. You know, he, he looked super tired by the, by the end of the third round on Friday night. And he was, I thought maybe he would fall asleep before the last pick, but, uh, he made it good for him. I'm not sure how stressful of a job he has just reading a bunch of names, even though he butchered a bunch of them. But um, hopefully if we have to do another virtual draft, he's not falling asleep Friday night. As he just usually only do the first round. So three rounds, you know, maybe that was a little too much for him. Yeah, I mean, I really like this format. I hope that we, to some extent, adopt this uh, in the future. Just I thought it was a lot of fun to get to see people in their homes. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, it's all over Twitter and, and elsewhere about how fancy his house is. But it's also fun to see the families together, um, see the draft prospects together with their families. And, you know, it's it's a lot of cool moments there. I mean, Caleb, this wasn't in our in our show notes, but quick thinking, you know, I'm trying to think of some winners and losers. And I want you to think of some, too, here as I uh, get ready to go into it. Or I should say I'm going to start going into what I perceived as some uh, wins and and losses for the college football draft or for the NFL draft this year. I have to think that a big winner this year had to be that wide receiver position overall. It had incredible depth. And for the most part, if you had played consistent college football, you were getting drafted. We saw guys like Jalen Rager, who we really hadn't heard too much about during the season, get drafted to the Eagles in the first round. We saw a lot of talent going later. We saw Claypool go to the Steelers in the second round. He was a guy people weren't sure. Tight end, wide receiver. Looks like he's going to be a wide receiver for them. So a lot of big wins there for that entire position. So, Caleb, it, it's not intentional like this by any stretch of imagination, but you know, my winners being an offensive position, my loser in this case is a specific player. I feel like A.J. Epinesa was very – he had a very unfortunate experience in the drafting process simply because there were points where – whenever it came to mock drafts and talent evaluation, some people thought he could be in the top half of the first round or at least the first edge rusher taken, but he doesn't end up getting taken until, what, the third round? Yeah, late second, early third, so it, it was definitely a fall for him. Yeah, huge fall. But uh, outside of that, I was pretty pleased overall, and you and I were texting back and forth during the draft. I thought overall teams were addressing needs and making good picks. How about you? Do you do you have wins and losers? Winners and losers for the draft? I'm um, sure. I'll say winners. Miami Dolphins. They didn't have to do anything. The Tua just fell right to them. You know, obviously health is a huge concern with Tua, but if he was healthy, I think he would have been fighting for that number one overall pick with Joe Burrow. And if he didn't go one, he'd definitely be going two. And the Dolphins would have had to you know trade up and mm-hmm. give up probably multiple first round picks to get him. And in the end, they stood pat. He fell right into their laps and. 
you know, if if his medicals don't work out, I'm sure that means the Dolphins will stink again and they'll have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. So can't be the worst thing for them. And then as far as losers, you know, no tight ends in the first round this year. You know, maybe that means good things for Pat Frymuth in the tight end class next year. But yeah, I'll go the other receiving skill position. As you said, a winner for wide receivers. I'll say losers for tight ends as none of them were drafted in the first round. You know, maybe some of them will pan out, but um, not off to a good start for the tight ends this year. Yeah, a, a very weak draft class of tight ends. Uh, overall, though, Penn State pretty pretty well. Had five players drafted. We had Yitor, Yitor Grossmatos going to the Carolina Panthers with uh, the sixth pick in the second round. Goes to Matt Rule, who was a Penn Stater himself, so... That was cool to see. K.J. Hamler gets drafted to the Denver Broncos in the second round at 46th overall. Not a combine participant, and uh, we found, or I found out after it was because of his hamstring injury. Caleb, you already knew that. Robert Windsor gets drafted by the Colts in the sixth round. Cam Brown to the New York Giants in the sixth round. John Reed to the Houston Texans in the fourth round and goes back to an old Penn State coach and Bill O'Brien. Caleb, of all these picks here, which player do you feel like is most success, is most set up for success? Well, I'll go with K.J. Hamler. The Denver Broncos this year basically said we're all in on Drew Locke. We're going to give Drew Locke everything we can. You know, Jerry Judy fell to them in the first round. K.J. Hamler in the second round. I think they took another receiver or tight end in the and later on in the draft. They, uh, they mm-hmm. signed uh, Melvin Gordon right this year. So they, they're going all in. They're giving Drew Locke all the weapons he needs. You know, their offensive line might not be too great. Their defense isn't as good as it was when they won the Super Bowl. But they're giving Drew Locke a chance, and KJ Hammer is one of the weapons and one of the beneficiaries if Drew Locke can uh, stay upright and not get stacked too much this year. Yeah, I mean, certainly in the small sample size we saw of Locke, he looked pretty good. I'm pretty excited about Yutor Gross Matos. Uh, Matt Rule is known for rebuilding teams at the collegiate level. Hopefully he can do it at the NFL level for him. He spoke very highly in regards to his plans with Yitor Grossmatos and uh, the other defensive players. The Carolina Panthers only drafted defensive players this year. So I'm excited to see what happens there. And outside of the players that got drafted, plenty also got signed. We saw Jan Johnson go to the Texans along with John Reed. Steven Gonzalez goes to the Cardinals. Dan Chisina, who, I mean, I wasn't too high on. I got the speed, but not great hands. He went to the Vikings. Nick Bauer signed with the Las Vegas Raiders, Garrett Taylor going to the Bills, and Blake Gillikin going with the Saints. I, you know, I'm very happy for these guys, Kill, that they they all got signed. Yeah, this is great. You know, it stinks to not get your name called on draft day, but all six of these guys will get a chance to compete for spots. You know, maybe they only get special teams work at first. Um, especially if they're, you know, a defensive player like Jan Johnson, you know, even wide receivers will play special teams sometimes. So someone for someone like Dan Chisena to get a chance and, you know, Blake Gillikin, maybe he can stick on with the Saints and be their punter for the next 20 years. Like, uh, who did they have that they've had forever? The Saints. It was not Morstead, was it? Yeah, it was. So I think okay. he's been up there in age. I don't know if he retired yet at all or not, but, um, you know, maybe Billy, Blake Gillikin has a chance. Yeah, I'll certainly be pulling for him couple former Penn Staters, we had uh, Brandon Polk, who had transferred to James Madison University. He was a graduate transfer, though, I believe. He gets signed as an undrafted free agent to go to the Rams. I'm excited for him. Very happy. Caleb, how are you feeling about that, going to your Rams? Yeah, it's great. You know, he gets a chance. The Rams, you know, they drafted Van Jefferson in the third round with or with the second round with the pick they got for Brandon Cook. So, I mean, he makes, he's not a – exactly a comparable for a replacement but he'll definitely be getting some snaps as the third or fourth wide receiver but you know you need you need six wide receivers or so usually so brandon polk has a chance to be one of the fifth or sixth guys if especially if he can contribute on special teams yeah i was going to say that special teams piece there is it's critical about polk uh another transfer wide receiver juan johnson who left for oregon signed with the new orleans saints so he will be reunited with blake gillikin in new orleans um I, but I'm going to be honest with you, Caleb. I, I'm i not as confident about Jawan Johnson making a 53-man roster, and I think that's something that we had also texted about during the draft. Yeah, well now I think it's a 55-man roster. They expanded it a little bit, so mm-hmm. maybe he has one, one or two extra spots there to maybe stake his claim. But, yeah, I'm not too optimistic about Jawan Johnson. I, I mean, I guess outside of Michael Thomas, the Saints don't really have any really good wide receivers, so – 
maybe if he can show a little something, they'll keep him. But uh, yeah, Juwan Johnson seems more like a practice squad player at best. Overall in the first round, so just breaking down some of the round stuff here, you know, we were not surprised at all, but they still made us wait the 10 minutes after already starting like 20 minutes late. Uh, 17, I think, was the exact number. Joe Burrow gets drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals and number one overall. You had mentioned it already. Tua fell into the lap of the Dolphins, who didn't have to trade away any of their picks. They got to keep all those and build up, which meant at six overall, the Chargers grabbed Herbert out of Oregon. Uh, Packers trading up for Jordan Love in a shocking move, but a move that parallels Aaron Rodgers coming to the Packers. There are multiple quarterbacks taken in this draft. Uh, I'm curious, which of these first round ones are you are you highest on, Caleb? Um, I love to. I think, as I said earlier, if he was healthy, I think I would probably take him number one, even over Joe Burrow, just because you know he had two great years plus the national championship comeback at his freshman year when he was just thrown into that, that fire at halftime. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow just had that one great year. You know, it was a great year and maybe one of the best seasons ever for a quarterback, but I, I, I like that too has been good for his whole career basically at Alabama. Didn't He wasn't, you know, didn't have to transfer, didn't have to have a terrible year. His first year at LSU where he had, what, under 60% completion percentage. So, I, I like to uh, go into Miami. If he can stay healthy and doctors are saying they're optimistic, mm-hmm. I think Miami has their franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. Yeah, and Brian Flores is a great coach. I I like what Tua is going to be walking into there. They're certainly building talent around him. Skill positions, you also mentioned this. No tight end taken in the first round. Really unsurprising. It was a... It was an incredibly uh, poor overall class. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is continuing, the running back out of LSU, is continuing a trend of devaluation of running backs simply because of tread on the tires. The only running back taken, but he's taken number 32 overall to the Chiefs, who, I mean, Edwards-Hilaire really fits into what the Chiefs are doing on offense there. I really like that pick by Kansas City. How about you? Yeah, I mean, we were both fantasy football players, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I've already seen, is a first-round pick in fantasy football drafts this year and that he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid has said he reminds him of Brian Westbrook with his time at the Philadelphia Eagles, and Brian Westbrook was a fantasy monster. He was a great running back for the Eagles there for a number of years when the Eagles were Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. So, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should fit in there perfectly and be able to go right from the get-go as a rookie. Whenever the Raiders were on the clock, it was funny. We were talking about wide receiver positions, and uh, I had texted you, Caleb, asking who had the fastest 40 time, and you texted me back that it was Ruggs. And I I think we were kind of joking around back and forth that the Raiders were going to draft Ruggs for that reason because it's such an Al Davis move, like whenever they drafted Darius Hayward Bay instead of Mike Crabtree who was arguably the better receiver between the two. But sure enough, the Raiders, true to form, draft the fastest receiver. They draft Ruggs out of Alabama, played alongside with Jerry Judy. Not exactly to, uh, not exactly as much of a feature receiver, if you will. Productive, but not as productive, perhaps, as Jerry Judy. So a good pick. Um, he was definitely in the top three, of re- three or four receivers, so it, it was a good pick for the Raiders, but I wouldn't define it as a, a great pick with at least Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb being better options there. How about you? Yeah, to me, Jerry, Henry Ruggs seems like a guy that's a, probably a great number two wide receiver. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, Tyreek Hill is great, but part of the reason he's great is he has Patrick Mahomes thrown to him, and Henry Ruggs does not have Patrick Mahomes thrown to him. As great as Derek Carr is okay, but he's definitely no Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know how Ruggs will do as number one wide receiver. You know, he won't, he'll be having to face the top cornerback presumably most of the time, and. I don't know if he's that kind of talent. You know, Jerry Judy has elite route running skills. CeeDee Lamb has you know, – he's he's big. He can body the ball. He can make defenders miss in the open field. Ruggs, you know, just runs by guys, and I'm sure there will be safeties of plenty waiting for him to, to double cover him if necessary for the Raiders who, you know, outside of him, Darren Waller's a great tight end. They don't really have too many pass catchers outside of Ruggs and uh, Waller. They they drafted a couple more later here on, so maybe someone else will be able to step up and and give Derek Carr even more weapons. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely would have taken Judy and Lamb before. But. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Renfro is certainly showing that he can be a good slot guy for Las Vegas, but uh, yeah, 
Ruggs is is probably going to fill in what they had hoped Antonio Brown would be in, in regards to the burner, but without the ability maybe to be a number one overall receiver. But the number one receiver at Alabama, Jerry Judy, gets drafted by the Denver Broncos. They were very happy to have him. And C.D. Lamb, I have to imagine Jerry Jones was, was dancing in his private yacht as C.D. Lamb was available to them. I mean, what a great pick they were able to grab. Already having Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Ezekiel Elliott there. I mean, whew, Dallas' offense, if, it, if they can figure it out, and that's a big if, um, they should be exciting this year. Yeah, they should be great on offense. Dak Prescott, you know, no excuses for him. You know, they should definitely not be beaten out by the Philadelphia Eagles and their 10th string wide receiver like they were last year Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs. So if something like that happens again, you know, the Cowboys should have a lot of explaining to do, even if it's Mike McCarthy's first year. They uh, they have plenty of talent on the offensive side of the ball. They I think they even got some good steals later on in the second and third rounds on defense because their defense definitely has some holes to it. But um, they should be better on that side of the ball this year too. And they definitely are should be division favorites this year. And then a a few other wide receivers get taken in the first round. Uh, A lot of people on social media were just killing the Eagles and Roseman for taking Jalen Rager out of TCU. But Rager had been rising and rising across draft boards as being a speed guy, a burner. Comparisons to Deshaun Jackson, who they, who the Eagles certainly need. But I, I think one of the critiques that people had about him is similar to Ruggs in that I don't know if people necessarily see him as a number one receiver. Definitely a talented number two guy, but we'll see what happens there. Vikings get Jefferson, who Philly fans wanted. But again, I heard people going kind of back and forth on it as we were getting ready for the draft. I certainly heard Rager's name more than I heard Jefferson as a first-round prospect. And then San Francisco traded up to get uh, Arizona State's, was it Brandon Ayuk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, Brandon Ayuk. And uh, he gets drafted first round. So two years in a row, Arizona State has two wide receivers drafted last year. Nikhil Harry went to the Patriots. Ayuk had a core muscle injury, and so um, clearly San Francisco wasn't worried about that, Caleb. So I'm going to ask you a question similar to the, you know, similar to the, uh, whatchamacallit, to the quarterbacks here. Of all skill position players that we're looking at, I mean, give me one, give me one that you think outside of rugs to the Raiders. Is there one that kind of has you scratching your head? Um, I, I guess I'll say uh, Brandon Ayuk here to the 49ers. You know, he was good at Arizona State, but I don't think he was great. You know, part of that, they don't have great great quarterbacks yet there down at Arizona State. Uh, Herm Edwards is doing a great job down there, but they haven't found their elite quarterback yet. So maybe that's part of it. You know, Nikhil Harry, as you said, he wasn't great as a rookie this year. He what was he, he seemed like he was injured a lot. So mm-hmm. getting core muscle surgery, maybe that's not a great omen for him. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback either. So and they have, you know, they drafted um Debo Samuel last year, who will definitely be getting a lot of the targets there. And George Kittle is obviously the number one look there. He's, he's mm-hmm. a he's a great tight end, maybe the best tight end in football nowadays. So, you know, maybe as the third option, he should be still be good for for San Francisco. But you know, trading up when they didn't have any second, third, or fourth round picks, San Francisco did. I think they got rid of their only third or fourth round pick to move up to get Ayuk. I don't know. I know you're a Super Bowl contender and your window's wide open right now and you got to pounce on the chance, but with all the great wide receivers that went in the second and third rounds, uh, I don't know if I would have traded up to get him. I would agree with you. Uh, moving on to the Hogs, the offensive and defense alignment in the draft. We had six tackles taken in the first round, four in the top 13 in a draft that were. Analysts really seem to think like the top four tackles were hard to rank. They, they couldn't really get a good read on them. Clearly teams like them enough. The Saints took a center for the second year in a row, although who they took this year also had time playing guard. So I'm thinking he'll be playing guard for the Saints. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, young, there was some talk that the Redskins may trade back, and then there are some goofy people saying that they were going to do what the Cardinals did and draft a quarterback at number two overall. Uh, like the Cardinals did number one overall last year with Kyler Murray. But no, they did the smart thing. They took Chase Young out of Ohio State to shrub that defensive line. Uh, Clavon Chasen ended up being the second edge rusher defensive end taken in the draft. Bit of a surprise to me. You know, He was a name that I didn't hear too much about, but he's got the LSU talent, and LSU certainly performed well. And uh, so 
that's those are the hogs there, Caleb. I'm feeling good about lines overall. I'm not seeing too many that I'm thinking, oh, man, that quarterback's going to get killed this year, or thinking, you know, this line has nobody. I'm sure if I thought hard enough, I could. <laughs> Jumping down to the linebacker position here, we look down at the linebackers, and what we find are a lot of different ones taken. You know, I am going to be partial real quick and jump ahead to some of the later rounds where the uh, Steelers in the third round took Highsmith out of Charlotte, expecting big things out of him. Isaiah Simmons, the Dick Buckus Award winner, you know, the top linebacker, a linebacker out of Clemson, fell a little bit further than they were anticipating. They're expecting him to be somewhere within the top six, top five even, but he falls just a little bit to number eight. Jordan Brooks was a bit of a reach in Seattle, but we've seen Seattle do things that we kind of anticipated worry reach like whenever they took Bruce Irvin out of West Virginia and everybody said you know who is this guy what a terrible pick I know that because I was one of those people saying you know why would they go with him whenever this player there is this player there and this player is there but Seattle shows consistently they understand how to scout well and so I I'm very partial and I definitely trust Jordan Brooks so though they call it a reach I'm gonna give them some street cred for that Chargers trade up for linebacker out of Oklahoma, Murray. That was a very good pick. I thought he played very well this season. I think he's going to help sure up a lot of what the Chargers need on the defensive side of the football. That way they can focus more on the offensive side. The Ravens steal linebacker out of LSU, Queen, uh, a linebacker that I thought was another really good player and is going to perform at a high level. I felt like the linebacker position was Pretty strong after reflecting on all the ones that were taken. But, uh, yeah, I I think the defensive front seven, the the big guys in on the line and the linebacker core, I think teams did a good job identifying and addressing needs that they had there. I'm, I don't know about you, Caleb. Yeah, I thought both sides of the defense had a great job here, you know, and, you know, as you said, only two edge rushers taken here with Young and Chase on, but um, I thought the linebackers were pretty strong here, obviously led by Isaiah Simmons at number eight. He fell a little bit, you know, some thought he's maybe going as high as, you know, two, three, four range there for a little bit. He fell down to eight to the Cardinals, which I thought was a pretty good steal for them. Chargers getting Patrick Murray and Raven stealing Patrick Queen or Queen there pretty late. So Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. Sorry, I got those names a little flipped out there. So I thought, um, you know, both offense and defense did a great job there. Yeah, they, they did a strong job there on the uh, defensive side of the ball. So, uh, or at least with the front seven, whenever we get to the defensive backs, unsurprisingly, there were two really good cornerbacks in this draft. We had Akuda and Henderson, they both go to the, in the top 10 going to Detroit and Atlanta, uh, four other cornerbacks taken kind of a head scratcher since, you know, we, as we looked at it, there weren't too many of these that we were like, Hmm, haven't heard of, but in reflection thinking they had a need there and they found players that met it. AJ Terrell, uh, 16th overall to the Falcons. Is that right to the Falcons? They traded back in, or yeah, the Falcons. That was when I like their four, only like four or five draft picks that they had was the fifth, was sixteen for the Falcons. Damon Arnett, nineteen to the Raiders. Noah Igbenogany. I'm gonna pat myself on the back real quick for getting That's that great. right. Thirtieth uh, to the Dolphins and Jeff Gladney to the Vikings. A bit of a shocker. Xavier McKinney, somebody who was probably the top safety, no, inarguably the top safety in the draft falling out of the first round and then eventually going to the Giants. A good place for him to be there too, but it seems that similar to the running back position, the safety position has gone down in value unless you are an elite, elite kind of uh, positional player there. Any surprises by the defensive backs for you, Caleb? Yeah, I'm going to go to the Raiders again. Damon Arnett, a lot of guys that seemed like had him as a round three talent, and for some reason the Raiders felt they needed to take him here middle of the first round. You know, I guess they really liked his... He's the one from Ohio State, right? So they really liked his tape this past year, but he's been in a lot of off-the-field trouble in the past. Um, he was, you know, considered leaving last year. I don't even know if he would have went to the NFL draft, though, last year if he would have left at that time. So, you know, Raiders, I think they had a pretty good draft after this, but their first-round picks again, you know, just like last year when they took Cleveland Farrell as surprisingly number four overall, when he was seemed to be more like a late first-round pick. Um, Mike Mayock, you know, his first-round picks are head-scratchers, but I, I do think the rest of their draft was pretty solid. 
day two had rounds two and three in there, and a pick that I really liked, but again, Eagles fans were just killing Roseman over, was taking quarterback Jalen Hurts. So the Philadelphia Eagles taking Hurts there. Eagles have consistently had a need for a quality backup quarterback player. At least what we saw from him out of Oklahoma is that he could be a gadget player kind of guy too, like think Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints. But um, I'm a big fan of this pick, Caleb. I, I'm thinking that you were not as big of a fan of the pick as I was, though. Why don't you tell the listeners your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I do think the Eagles overall had a good draft. And, you know, mm-hmm. with once being hurt seemingly every year, I do think the backup position is more important for the Eagles than it is for most other teams. But, um, you know, a day two pick, you know, as we said, the, I think the Cowboys are the better team in the NFC East, but the Eagles, you know, they made the playoffs last year. They are division champs. And they did that with Greg Ward beating the, being their leading wide receiver there for the the last couple weeks of the season into the playoffs. You know, someone who had been on and off of the, the scout team for, for most of the year. So, you know, getting wide receivers, which they did, they end up, you know, drafting three overall and trading for a fourth one is definitely an area of need, but they're a solid team, obviously, as they made the playoffs last year. And I don't know if you take a, a quarterback with your second pick when you uh, when you took one with the second overall pick a few years ago and you paid him a bunch of money. Yeah, I and I don't know if maybe they're trying to get it to where you know they can build him up and then you know use him as trade bait or what. But we'll we'll see what the Eagles thinking is is done there. Doug Peterson's a good coach. We'll see how he uses him, if he's just going to be holding the clipboard or if he's going to be seeing some snaps. A few skill position players here. We had DeAndre Swift out of Georgia in the second round go to the Lions. We had Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin go to the Colts. We had Cam Akers from Florida State going to Caleb's Los Angeles Rams. I like that move by them. We'll talk about that in a second. And then J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State going to the Ravens. And oh, one more, A.J. Dillon from Boston College, right, going to the Packers. All these guys in the second round. Caleb, I like Akers from what I've been hearing. It sounds like he is a he's a fast runner. I saw the Dalvin Cook comparisons. Makes sense. Went to Florida State. Um, seems like he's a good guy running. Maybe he didn't get as much experience in catching. I can't remember if that was him or somebody else. But what they saw, what people saw, they liked. So I would like to think the Rams who are moving on from Todd Gurley have to feel good. Yeah, I like Cam Akers. I think he's a good running back. He was, a, I think, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. But the problem for Florida State these past few years has been offensive line. So I don't think I think that's why he wasn't able to quite live up to his hype coming out as a five-star recruit. And you know, the Rams struggled on offensive line last year, so they're hoping to, uh, that uh, fewer injuries and more uh, togetherness will be able to help the offensive line this year. And I think that's uh, that'll help Cam Akers coming to be one of the better running backs in this draft hopefully for for the rams i guess the other the only other head scratching part of it is you know they retained malcolm brown last year who we saw in limited time has been able to do pretty well and last year they they traded two third round picks to move up into i think earlier in the third round to draft daryl henderson who is very elusive running back he's on the smaller end but he's quick he's he's very elusive he breaks tackles easily so I mean, they just put a lot into the position. You know, obviously you're losing Todd Gurley and you need to replace him, but did you need to do that with your first pick of the draft since they didn't have the first rounder due to the Jalen Ramsey trade? Did you need to do that with your first pick of the draft to replace someone like Todd Gurley when you when you have invested into the position over the last few years? Yeah, I, I like the move overall. I think he's a complete back, but I can definitely see that with Henderson and Brown still on the roster. Round three, we had Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt go to the Bucks, giving Tom Brady another weapon there. So he has, you know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. He has Gronk if he's able to play even to like a degree of what he played like before he retired. He could be good there. And then, you know, a, a solid running back. Uh, Zach Moss out of Utah goes to the Buffalo Bills to play alongside um, – Oh, uh, single Devin Singletary, and then Darrington yep, Evans Singletary. out of – what did I say? Did I say Henderson? Yep, yep you're right. Okay. So uh, then Darrington Evans, running back out of Appalachian State, great running back, definitely gave Penn State some run for our money uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. going to the Titans in the third round. Of all – of all three of those picks killed, I thought those were. I thought that was a great haul in round three. I really like the Darrington Evans pick by the Titans, just to give Derrick Henry a break, and because he's another hard nose, hard hitting running back. So uh, overall, I thought the first, I thought the running backs that came off the board after 
Edwards Alaire were, were really top notch. Yeah, and this goes back to my point with Cam Akers and the Rams. You know, you had these guys, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Moss, Darrington Evans, all go in the third round. You know, the Rams had two two second round picks, two third round picks. So they, there was plenty of depth there for the Rams to get good running backs in the in the in on day two, and they decided to use their first pick. So I guess that's where some of the criticism comes from. But yeah, I love all these. Um, Derrick Henry is a beast, but he he signed the one year franchise tag. I'm wondering if the Titans do something similar to what Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers did, where they'll franchise tag him again next year, and if he plays great, if not, you know they'll let him loose, and Darren Evans will be the favorite to take over, you know, in a in a year or two for the for the Vikings for the Titans if uh, they don't sign um, Derrick Henry to a reasonable contract extension. Yeah, uh, wide receiver position. We saw T. Higgins giving immediately. The Bengals wanted to give Joe Burrow another weapon, so T. Higgins goes to the Bengals. Michael Pittman out of USC goes to Indianapolis, and the Colts giving Philip Rivers a really fast pass catcher. Lavisca Chenault, a player who a lot of people again thought could have been a first round pick out of Colorado, fell into the second round where the Jaguars snapped him up. KJ Hamler, our buddy out of Penn State, going to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Chase Claypool, big guy out of Notre Dame. Some people thinking he could have been a tight end, but Steelers, it sounds like we'll use him as wide receiver. Uh, going to the Steelers, Van Jefferson to the Rams, and then Denzel Mims to the Jets in the second round. So, I mean, Caleb, we talked about this depth at the wide receiver position. I mean, just think, in any other draft, a lot of these guys are first round, like even potentially top 20 picks. So, again, Caleb, I just want to say this for dramatic effect here and because we are recovering from a connection issue, but it seems like these wide receivers that went in the second round could have been first round, maybe even top 20, like any other year. But that wide receiver position, so, so deep. Yeah, I mean, we saw plenty of mocks with K.J. Hamler in the first round early on. As Penn State fans, we were looking to see where he might get drafted. You know, he falls mm-hmm. to the Broncos there in the second round. Great pickup for them, for the Broncos. LaVisca Chenault, he also had some core muscle surgery in the weeks leading up to the drafts. Maybe that led to him falling down a little bit. He seems to be an all-kind-of-gadget player. You know, Chase Claypool was great for the for the Notre Dame this year. Van Jefferson, I saw him more in the third round, but I think that probably means he's a second-round talent in this year's draft. So, yeah, and obviously if you're going first overall in the second round, that means you're basically a borderline talent in T. Higgins. So, yeah, great, great draft here for wide receivers, and it just continued to going on here into the third round with Antonio Gibson to the Redskins, Lynn Bowden Jr., and Brian Edwards to the Raiders, and then Devin Duvernay to the Ravens. So, the Ravens are trying to give uh, Lamar Jackson reigning MVP some more weapons there from Texas. Yeah, Ravens definitely had a really scary draft this year. Felt the same way last year, too, and we saw what that turned them into. So, uh, I, th- as a Steelers fan, it hurts, but I think we'll see Ravens as kings of the north again. At the tight end position, again, we felt it a very weak position overall. Cole Komet was the first tight end taken, taken to the Bears. Uh, we saw Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene go to the Patriots. Patriots trading up. Did they trade up for Asiasi? Does that sound? I think that was who. Yeah, they traded up for one of these guys. But, yeah, two third-round tight ends. You know, they definitely need to address the position. Yeah, I don't know if I would have spent draft capital moving up. But you know what? I'm not going to mess with it because the Patriots know more about football than I do. Uh, Josiah DeGuara to the Packers and Adam Troutman out of Dayton, I believe. He was a very popular pick by draft analysts going to the Saints. So um, weak position overall, but who knows? They they might surprise us, Caleb. Yeah, what did they say? I think he's the first non-Power 5 tight end to win the, uh, what's it, the Mackey Award for best tight end in the nation. So he was the first one to win it outside of the Power 5 conferences. Uh, hopefully Pat Fryermuth will be taking home that hardware next year. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> On the offensive line, or with the Hogs, again, we have Ezra Cleveland. Some some people were starting to mock him in the first round, but he does go in the second out of Boise State, goes to the Vikings. I am sure Kirk Cousins is not mad about that pick. Josh Jones falls all the way down to the Cardinals in the third round. A lot of people saying that was one of the steals and one of the best picks of the draft. Like we brought up... Uh, Epinesa, he goes to the Bills in the second round. So later second round. And then Patriots trade up for lineman, linebacker that I really like, Josh Uche out of Michigan, and grab him late second round. Um, yeah, the again, Caleb, the, the Hogs look good there. 
Yeah, definitely. Josh Uche was uh, one I was hoping the Rams might target, but the Patriots scoop him up. You know, he'll fit, he'll fit in right nicely there. And Patriots lost a couple guys at the linebacker position during the offseason, so I'm sure he'll step in and, you know, probably get 10 sacks for them this year, the way the Patriots work and the, how loaded their defense is. Again, with defensive backs, Delpit was a guy out of LSU that a lot of people saw as a first-round pick, but he kept falling and falling and falling. He ends up falling to the Browns in the mid-second round, and I have to imagine Cleveland fans were rejoicing getting Grant Delpit there. For sure. You know, I remember, I'm pretty sure when these mock drafts started out, you know, at the very end of the college football season, you know, maybe even before that, Grant Delpit was like a top 10 pick, you know, mm-hmm. the Browns may have been taking him in the first round in some of those mock drafts and for him to fall all the way to the second round for them, you know, good for the Browns to get a talent like him. And, you know, maybe he's not quite as good as Derwin James, but it reminds me a lot of how Derwin James fell from a top three, top five pick the year before he got drafted. And then he fell all the way down to the Chargers late in the first round. And he's, you know, one of the best, you know, hybrid safeties in the league nowadays. So, you know, maybe good things are ahead for Grant Delpit and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. On day three, we had rounds four through seven, and I'm not going to go through every quarterback. I'm, I'm going to hit a couple highlights, and I want to talk about it. We had Jacob Eason out of Washington go to the Colts in the fourth round. We had James Fromm go, or Jake Fromm go to the Bills in round five. Ben DiNucci, I'm only going to highlight him because James Madison is like an hour from my house in Virginia, goes to the Cowboys in round seven. And Tommy Stevens, former Penn State quarterback, went on to Mississippi State, went to the Saints in the seventh round. Caleb, looking at these quarterbacks here, which of these day three quarterbacks do you think has the most potential to actually become, and, and I'm going to have us like think big here and and dig deep on this, which one do you think has the best chance of becoming a, a quality starter in the NFL? Well, before I answer your question, I want to say yeah, good for Tommy Stevens getting drafted, but with the Saints supposedly signing uh, um, uh, Jameis Winston, he's oh, yeah, down to uh, the fourth. Yeah, they gave Taysom Hill an extension, so Tommy Stevens is already fourth on the depth chart of teams. I guess he'd be Tommy or Taysom Hill's backup, so I don't know if the Saints are going to keep four quarterbacks. He seems definitely destined for the practice squad to start his career, but you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe he'll, he'll make the roster, but I got to go with the first guy, uh, Eason, to the Colts in the fourth round. You know, the Colts signed Phillip Rivers only to a one-year deal. Uh, Brissett only has one year left on his deal. So, you know, if, if Brissett didn't look too good at the end of uh, last year, you know, more dinks mm-hmm. and dunks. So Eason has a much stronger arm, can throw the deep pass, you know, maybe get a hookup with T.Y. Hilton. So I think he has a chance to maybe do something if he can clean up some of his mistakes. Yeah. Skill position-wise, uh, our – yeah, skill position-wise, we had Joshua Kelly to the Chargers, LaMichael Pirine related to Samaje Pirine to the Jets, Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland went to the Steelers, and uh, DJ Dallas to Seattle in round four. We saw Jason Huntley out of New Mexico State going to the Lions in round five. No running backs taken in round six. And then uh, we saw in round seven, Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State to the Cardinals. A lot of analysts like that pick. Raymond Calais out of Louisiana to the Bucks in round seven. Uh, a lot of other talented players, wide receiver wide. Gabriel gave Davis out of uh, Central Florida to the Bills. Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty to the Redskins in the fourth. Joe Reed out of uh, University of Virginia to the Chargers. Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. I mean, there were a lot of really high quality skill positions here. Uh, Caleb, do you feel like there was. I mean, do you feel like any of these players you can really go wrong with considering their day three picks at this point? No, definitely not. And I think one a lot of people like are, uh, is Donovan Peoples-Jones here. He's headed to the Browns. You know, uh, we know we've we've followed Michigan, you know, playing them every single year, and we do not like Shea Patterson. We don't think he's a good quarterback at all. And, you know, some people put a lot of that blame, though, on Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I think he has a lot of talent. He can be a punt returner, a kick returner as well. So I think he has some high upside if you give him a better quarterback. Um, Baker Mayfield, obviously, a first overall pick is a better quarterback than Shea Patterson. Um, he, he definitely seemed to have a little bit of a sophomore slump. He took a step back from his rookie year, but I still think he's a good quarterback you know, and maybe someone Donovan Peoples-Jones can thrive with. Yeah, and the the round five and six receivers I like, but I really like 
the round seven wide receivers, which is weird to say. Uh, we had Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee to 49ers. Don't know too much about him, but the next two guys I want to say, K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. I mean, it was amazing how long it took for an Ohio State wide receiver to get taken. Goes to the Chargers, and Malcolm Perry, who was the quarterback out of Navy, is going to be playing and like quarterback running back. You know, they're all the same <laughs> in Navy. But uh, fast enough, dude, playing receiver – going to the Dolphins I really like those two guys and I like where they're going and then Tyree Cleveland out of Florida to the Broncos in round seven you know Marcus Colston if I if memory serves correctly around seven kind of guy so again another one of these big make a pick sort of things here I'm inclined to think KJ Hill could kind of be like a Marquise Colston dude drafted round seven ends up becoming a really high quality player you have a pick here Caleb yeah, I like Malcolm Perry, too. They said it on the broadcast, you know, at the Senior Bowl, they tried him out a wide receiver, but they gave him one play at quarterback from the 50-yard line. And what do you do? Run it in 50 yards for a touchdown. So I'm sure the Dolphins <laughs> will scheme up a couple plays for him during the year where he'll, he'll play some quarterback, whether it's with Tua, without Tua, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who knows? Maybe it's just him out there by himself, and I'm sure he'll end up running the ball, and maybe he'll end up scoring a 50-yard touchdown. But, um, yeah, I think – you know, he's he's obviously not going to play very much as a rookie. I don't think he's got to work on his wide receiver skills, his route running as he played mainly quarterback slash running back for Navy the, these past couple of years. So he's got a lot to work on, but uh, I think he may have a chance. I, I would agree. I, I mean, I really like Perry too. At the tight end position, going through round by round, like we said, nobody in round one. Um, whenever we – let's skip down to round four. We have Harrison Bryant, somebody who – uh, some people like Walter Camp had him mocked in the second round out of Florida Atlantic, went to the Browns. Uh, Albert Oakwibbenum, uh, I can never say his name, out of Missouri. Somebody who a lot of people thought could have been a first-round pick but just had a pitiful uh, performance this season, went to the Broncos. Colby Parkinson out of Stanford to Seattle and Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue to the Rams in the fourth round. No tight end in round five. In round six, we had Charlie Warner from Georgia going to the Niners. Tyler Davis out of Tech, out of Georgia Tech to the Jags. And then in the seventh round, we had Steven Sullivan, LSU, going to the Seahawks. But the biggest surprise for me, Caleb, and you can tell me what yours was, my big surprise was that at the tight end position, which, again, we know is weak, Thaddeus Moss goes nowhere. Nobody signs him. I thought for sure, at least like he was a day two pick, but he doesn't get drafted. He does, however, end up signing with the uh, with the Redskins as an undrafted free agent. Who's your surprise here? Yeah, mine's got to be Hunter Bryan out of Washington. I saw a lot of guys rate him as one of the you know ten best inside the top ten for tight ends this year, and we saw, you know, that's about how many tight ends went this year, and he was not one of the ones drafted. So that's a little bit of surprise for me. So I've heard a lot of good things about him. And what I've also noticed, and it uh, seems to be a thing with tight ends recently, all of them have an H in the name. Hunter Bryan, Harrison Bryan, Bryson Hopkins, you know, all these guys in the NFL, Hunter Henry, the double H, you know. So all these guys, for some reason, have an H in their name. So it's something going on. If you if you want your kid to be a tight end, name him something with an H if you don't have an H in your last name like me with Hufford. So. Or, or Gronkowski. Yep. But yeah, uh, offensive side of the ball, Biedes out of uh, Wisconsin, and I think I butchered his name there. He was projected by some to go in the second round. He actually didn't end up going until the last pick of round four. I think there were some, there were a variety of concerns there that caused him to drop. Caleb, you were pretty surprised about Trey Adams, though. You want to talk about that? Yeah, there must be something against the University of Washington here. Trey Adams, undrafted also. You know, ESPN, I think, again, had him as one of their, you know, 10 or 15 best tackles in the draft, and plenty more than 15 tackles won in this draft. So I was a bit surprised to see him go. You know, he's a big, tall dude, as, you know, most offensive linemen are, and Washington, you know, they had a disappointing year this year. There's, what, 7-5, and five, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that had something to do with it. But, you know, Washington usually produces, you know, several drafted players each year. So I was surprised to see, you know, guys like Hunter Bryan and Trey Adams undrafted this year. On the defense side of the ball, we're just going to rush through only a few people here. Uh, James Lynch falling to the Vikings in round four. Troy Dye out of Oregon, somebody who, again, they thought could have been a day two pick, ended up going to the Vikings in round four. Defensive backs, a pick that I liked was John Reed actually getting drafted and going to the Texans there. But um, overall, I feel like teams did a, a good job finding needs on defense and, and addressing those promptly. So if you're okay with the kill, I'm just going to skip right to the specialists. Yeah, let's go to it. 
Yeah, so, you know, this is a position that doesn't get too much love during draft time, but I love, I love, and I'm sure Caleb does too, whenever we see these guys, you know, getting some getting some time in the spotlight. Pats take the first kicker off the board, Justin Rohrwasser. Caleb, I am really surprised that Rodrigo Blankenship didn't get drafted, and we can talk about that more once I run through this list, but uh, Justin Rohrwasser out of Marshall, first kicker taken, taken in round five. I know there's been some stuff said about him and uh, some body ink that he has, but uh, I'm not going to dive into that right now, other than I hope that uh, he was true whenever he said he he didn't know what it represented, and uh, I hope in the future he makes better judgments. Dolphins pick up long snapper Blake Ferguson from LSU, a position of great importance in round six. Kicker Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern, who many said was a top kicker, ends up going to the Bills in round six. Braden Mon from Texas A&M was the first punter off the board, and he goes to the Jets in round six. In round seven, we had punter Sterling Hoffrichter out of Syracuse. Uh, people liked, liked him in college going to the Falcons. And kicker Sam Sloman out of Miami, Ohio, going to Caleb's Rams, which is important since they don't have Greg the Leg anymore in round seven. Caleb, I mean, were you surprised about Blankenship? Yeah, I'm definitely surprised. I was. I figured the Rams might take a kicker in the draft this year with uh, Legatron leaving. They they did sign a couple guys in the offseason before um, – before the draft happened, but it wasn't, wasn't any big name guys. So I would expect those two along with Sam Sloman to compete for the job, but I was kind of hoping they'd pick up Rodrigo Blankenship, but you know, I'm hopeful for Sam Sloman. Don't know much too much about Miami of Ohio football other than uh, that's where Ben Roethlisberger is from. Right. So, you know, maybe uh, Sam Sloman can be the second best player out of Miami of Ohio. Yeah, maybe. And I just, and people that listen to the podcast know that I love the story of Rodrigo Blankenship and I love the fact that he was a good kicker. And so like, I, I typically don't expect special team players. I expect maybe one or two to get drafted. And so whenever we have this many drafted and none of them are him, I was, I was a little disappointed. Uh, as we got toward the end of the draft, we come down to a fantastic pick. This is a pick that, uh, you know, I think probably the best one in recent memory would be Ryan Suckup, former or I think he's still an active kicker in the NFL, but it's Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick, pick 255, which went to the New York football giants. And they selected Tay Crowder inside linebacker out of Georgia. Caleb, I don't know about you, but my biggest disappointment with being Mr. Irrelevant this year is that I don't get my trip to Disney world out of it. Yeah. Maybe they'll give him a rain check in a, in, you know, in the coming months when uh, Disney world finally opens up. But uh, yeah, you know, it's great to be drafted even if you're the last one picked and you know being Mr. Relevant you probably get more notoriety than any other seventh round pick just because you know with everything that goes with it Mr. Relevant the irrelevant week whatever they're going up with it now so good for Tate Crowder he'll be and he'll be in the record books for the rest of eternity as long as football keeps going on that's right Gilb, any other final takes on the draft? Um, my only other take is looking ahead to next year. I was already looking at some mock drafts for 2021, and mm-hmm. to no surprise, Micah Parsons and Pat Fryermuth, I've seen both going in the first round. I've seen a couple mm-hmm. mock drafts with them both going in the top 10, so it should I be like an exciting that. year for Penn State football. Hopefully those guys stay healthy, and hopefully they you know, take another step forward next year, and hopefully we'll be able to see two Penn State Nittany Lions called in the first round of next year's draft. And as much fun as this virtual draft was, uh, hopefully they get to be on stage uh, meeting Roger Goodell. I think it's in Cleveland next year, if they want to be. If they want to stay home with their families, that's that's definitely their call, and they can do that too. But if they decide to go to the draft, and uh, hopefully they get called in the first round, I don't have to wait till night two. Yeah, I agree with you there. Well, uh, hey, on that note too, with the speaking of uh, this upcoming season, we're going to go pretty radio silent from here until the start of, of Penn State camp, and we'll start previewing the season then. We're hoping that's in August. I'm, I need football <laughs> it's a, it's a, a distraction, so I'm hopeful for that. Uh, and I want to thank listeners for listening in and tuning in here. If you'd like to connect with us, you can connect with us on Twitter at CPFB podcast, and you can listen to us basically wherever podcasts are found. Uh, but in particular, if you could do us a big favor and go on to Apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. Again, 
We're a couple amateurs. We're using amateur mics. We're having conversation over some free software. We have connection issues. We have delays and things like that. But we do this because we love college football, and we hope you love hearing our takes on it. If for no other reason, then it gives you some talking points and some debating points there as well. Caleb, I just want to say it one more time before we sign off. Any final words of wisdom? Uh, stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, wear that mask. 